You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Ah, you heard my call. Good. Your imbalance woke me from a deep slumber. Imbalance? Your presence is like a violent storm in this quiet world. You're a force wielder. But you're not a Jedi. Wielder? Hmm. Jedi and Sith wield the Ashlar and Bogan, the light and the dark. I'm the one in the middle, the Bendu. What do you call yourself? I am Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight. You carry conflict with you, Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight? It's this. <laughs> ah, interesting. Careful, it's... <sighs> dangerous. How so? It's a Sith holocron, a source of evil. My student's been using it, and I'm afraid it's changing him. An object cannot make you good or evil. The temptation of power, forbidden knowledge, even the desire to do good can lead some down that path. But only you can change yourself. Welcome, everyone, to the 602 Club, our general geek show here on the Trek FM Network. I'm so excited to be here for this supplemental. Uh, we had a very momentous evening just a few nights ago as we're recording this. The Star Wars Rebels Season 3 premiere, or as Tarkin might say it, the Star Wars Rebels Season premiere was on. And I, I mean... We've started a tradition where we talk about the premiere and then we wrap everything up at the end of the year. And I figured there's no reason to change perfection, you know. Uh, and so I'm so excited tonight to be here with some incredible gentlemen to be able to talk about Star Wars Rebels. Before I let everybody know who's here tonight, because I know you're on the edge of your seat to see who's here. And let me tell you, it's not just the usual suspects. So before that, though, of course, we're here uh, on the Trek FM network. You can find us on iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're a feature provider there. And of course, you know what really helps out is the star rating review. Uh, go to the 602 Club. You can go to the 602 Club feed or the special Star Wars feed, and that'll really help us out, and it helps the show grow by giving us those reviews. It just means pe more people can find the show as the way the podcast rankings go there on iTunes. Uh, and if you were here with me right now, you'd see that my uh, co-hosts for the evening are trying to make me laugh, but uh, I will not. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at trek.fm. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And of course, the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group. Make sure you check that out. It's a great place to go. Of course, too, you can email us at trek.fm slash contact. That's the perfect place to do that. I love getting emails. Gotten a few recently. I really appreciate that. And uh, voicemails, speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Now, without further ado, the wonderful, amazing, the talented, Bruce Gibson is with me here tonight. Why, yes, and I'm blushing as you introduce me like that. Thank you so much, Matt Rushing. I appreciate that. Well, uh, it's it's wonderful to have you back, Bruce. And, and of course, you know, when we're doing a Star Wars podcast here on the 602 Club, it's either got to be you or John Mills to be here. And since John is busy with some uh, Jedi what, he's business, not here? he couldn't be here no, he's not here tonight. He wanted to be here. He's here. I thought spirit. that was him sitting over there by the bar. No, I don't think so. Um, but it could, I mean, it might be. He could be in disguise tonight. But we do have a brand new voice to the 602 Club and a good friend that I made at Dragon Con while I was staying at Bruce's humble abode. His name is William, all the way from the Ion Cannon podcast and just right up the road from me in Seattle. How's it going, William? Great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, join the 602 Club. This is great. Yeah. Well, I hope you've gotten something good to drink. And uh, we're sitting back. We're talking some Rebels Season 3. And um, I, I just want to ask before we even get started, uh, where were you guys in your excitement for Season 3 coming in? Oh, I think I can answer that. Because we had a unique 
excitement coming into episode uh, to season three, episode one, because William and I both saw this episode together at Star Wars Celebration Europe. I hate you both. <laughs> Flew halfway around the world to watch this film, this, this episode. Dedication. True fandom. I mean, we, we came <laughs> off of one of the, I would say, one of the biggest episodes of Star Wars TV ever. Uh, with the the season two finale, right? It's the culmination of eight years of uh, Star Wars television storytelling with Ahsoka and Darth Vader, and uh, and so we're coming off of that excitement. I, I think you know excitement is at an all time high uh, for Rebels, and um, yeah, it's it's been it's been awesome. I was so excited, especially when you throw in the uh, introduction of Thrawn. Uh, like the hype probably could not be like. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting the first episode of the season to be like we saw in the season finale of season two. So I did not come in with the expectation. It was going to be on that same level. True. And it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to, you can't really be on that level in many ways. Right. I think some people were expecting it. Um, you can't, you can't be eight years of, of, of Star Wars build up, but I think excitement is still at an all time high for the show now. When you bring in Thrawn, a, a classic, classic character that uh, that people love, it's a it's a great mix, and I, I think they did a they did a very good job. I agree with with both of you. I think um, it, it's interesting because I've heard some things online, and, and we've been talking. We've got our uh, Twi'leks of the Night group that we we talk about uh, things all Star Wars related uh, and so much else uh, from all the people who hung out together at Dragon Con. But I think we were talking about that today a little bit, the, the expectations for this episode and whether or not it was as good as, you know, the end of season two. And and I think it would be like requiring every episode of the Clone Wars to be the Yoda arc or, you know, the Darkness and Umbura arc or, you know, something like that. Like, to me, I, I guess I just didn't even think about it being that kind of magnitude because you know when you when you for me when you start off a, a new season you're really just setting the stage for what's going to come for the rest of the season and therefore it's not usually your biggest story yet it's usually a little bit slower paced and inter introducing some interesting ideas and i think you know this season starts off with some big changes i mean i just want to ask you guys did you guys notice uh, that the animation seems to have stepped up just another level oh totally i mean there were some of the visual changes like you know um ezra and sabine's new look kanan's new look but you know it, just the visuals themselves are so much better as well you can, you can tell they are uh continuing to improve and you know i, I think the Clone Wars set a high watermark and some people were kind of upset when they, they, they changed visual design a little bit and went to Rebels that looked a little more simple. But um, it, it's, it's looking beautiful. It really is. I think that's why I was one of the things I was thrilled the most about is the look of the characters that they've actually have progressed in their look uh, with Sabine and, and Ezra especially because it's showing that time is progressing and that they're getting older and it feels like a different season when there's a different look. And so with new, you know, enhanced animation and the new look of the characters and Ezra's hair is now, you know, short and he's taller and he's more advanced in his Jedi skills with the Force. It's, it's said to me that, oh, we've taken a leap forward, not just in time, but also in the production design. And so I really enjoyed that about the show. It's almost as if we've taken our first step into a much larger world. Um, and I, I really, I really like that. I, I like Ezra's new look. I like that, that, that kind of streamlined look for him, you know, cutting the hair very short. Uh, you know, he's very much, uh, in line with, with trying to become, uh, more important to the, the rebellion and he's trying to grow in his Jedi training. He's starting to look more and more like Starkiller. If you ask me, mm -hmm. from uh, what we saw in the Force Unleashed game, uh, that's kind of the look I'm, I'm getting from him with that hair really close, and and he's starting to show some of those powers. So, uh, just all of that was really cool, and I like that Sabine. You get the feeling like she would be somebody who would change her hair color every single week, but that they can't do that in animation. So it's really taken three years first to get there, <laughs> but it's great. You know, this season, it, everything just, it feels bigger. Uh, rebellion starting to grow. 
Uh, people like Dodonna getting a shout out in the episode, which made me cheer. But uh, hey, same old Hondo. Yeah, same old Hondo. <laughs> I mean, what a great way to start the season when Hondo's like in the first like minute of the episode. Ah, oh, Lesra, hey, you know, it's good to see you. That's, look, I, I don't imitate Hondo. That was just like off the cuff right there. No, I think I think having uh, a Hondo back was a lot of fun, and I, I think it's something that I'm noticing that uh, Rebels seems to to maybe be doing more and being more comfortable with, which is just having these kind of characters show up more and more uh, to really build them into the universe, and and I love that anytime that Hondo's back. I'm excited about that. So, I, I mean, that was just fantastic. Hondo is one of my favorite, you know, side characters from uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Every time he's on screen, it's pure gold. So I was really excited to see him here. And his, and his little sidekick. He's got his little sidekick as well. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, does not last all that long. Uh, no, but he went out in a spectacular fashion. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> not expecting that whatsoever. Oh, well, I wasn't even sure if he was dead because he just boom and then squeals. Whee! He's like so excited to get to the get to to escape the prison. He's like you know waving his arms up on the air and running like crazy, completely ignoring what the rest of the group says, and boom gets hit by an ATV. I I mean not only that I I just never thought that I'd see a Ugnot Roman candle in my life, uh, but that's exactly what he turned into. And I, I do like that it is a kid show. So, yes, he's not around anymore, but we don't really show you how he died, um, which is falling to an oblivion wherever that, you know, uh, lands up. So, uh, yeah, oh, my gosh, that was that was really funny. Um, I wanted to, to ask you guys, because this episode does something that I think is is really interesting. And it's something that the Clone Wars started, which was to really talk about the force. And with the whole storyline that we get here with Kanan and the Bendu, uh, to me, this is the kind of stuff that just makes my little Star Wars heart just begin to beat. And I, I just wanted to ask you guys kind of what you thought about, first, just the, the character of the Bendu, and just uh, we can talk through what we learned from this guy, because it's, it's pretty awesome. I thought Bendu was pretty cool. Uh, he is a... Uh... He almost looks like a, a giant ox, uh, a giant force sensitive ox. Uh, if if I had one question, it's I think it's a little coincidental that he just happened to be on Talon. You know, how did they? Maybe it was the force that that led the rebels uh, to a Talon. Where you know, thanks to Chopper. But um, it was a little odd that uh, that he just happened to be there on the planet they were on. But other than that, I mean, I I, I thought. Uh, I thought Bendu was really cool and how he's, you know, between, he's neither good nor bad, light or dark. Kind of like how Lothal happens to have a Jedi temple on it. Exactly. Exactly. It's again, this, I had the same thing. It's like it's a little convenient. No. At the same time, maybe the story is like it's set on Lothal and we're looking at the group on Lothal for a reason, right? No, right. The, these aren't coincidences, though. The, this is the force. Things happen for a reason, William. <laughs> <laughs> the Bendu, I, I, so when I saw this the first time and even the second time I recently watched it, I thought it was weird that he just, does he just lay there all the time or does he move around? Like he just seemed to be like, that's his station. Like he doesn't go anywhere. We never even seen him like move forward or anything. like what, what is he? He's just like a stationary being. Well, uh, to me, okay, this might sound weird, but he, he seems like the, a cross between Tom Bombadil and an Ent from Lord of the Rings, where this this character, like Tom Bombadil in Lord of the Rings, is a personification of nature and, and all that, that nature is. And, of course, you know, the Ents are the huge walking shepherds of the forest. And so it almost kind of reminded me of that. You know, I mean, he is awoken by you know, uh, the, the feeling he gets in the forest from Canaan. And just as the Ents are woken up by Marion Pippin and Fangorn Forest, of course, in the Two Towers. So all of that. It, 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 what's interesting to me in, in most of this is the fact that uh, Dave 
also specifically linked Ahsoka and her end to Gandalf and his end in the Fellowship of the Ring. And it felt, it was, I think, going into this episode and watching it with the Bendu, I was struck by how many things were kind of lining up with things that I'd seen in, in Lord of the Rings. And it doesn't seem like Dave does that by mistake. Uh, he loves, you know, copying uh, great uh, works of art in Star Wars, just like George did. And so to me, I thought that was really fascinating. So William, I know you're not a huge, I mean, you've just watched Fellowship of the Ring, but did you catch any of that? Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, you're totally right. First time I saw Lord of the Rings was with you at Dragon Con a couple weeks ago. So I definitely don't know any of what you're talking about. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's a, he's a really interesting character, though. And I believe, um, I'm pretty sure it was Lord of the Rings that Dave Filoni said, if you look really closely, there's a, um, it's from the screening, let's see if I can find it. Uh, it was from the, the Rebel screening last March, uh, the season finale. Dave Filoni said, if you, if you look at, um, I think it's a particular Lord of the Rings book, you'll actually see a lot of parallels and actually get a hint of where the Rebel story is going. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Um, but I, I, what I liked about the Bindu is when, He's talking to Kanan and he says about, you know, oh, light side, dark side, I'm the one in the middle. And that to me was interesting because I don't want everything to be so black and white with the force. Like there's a light side and there's a dark side. And I'm really appreciating what Lucasfilm and Disney, all the creators behind uh, the show and the movies are creating new aspects of the force that, you know, we haven't considered before. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. And and this character definitely adds to that. Well, and that you had the great call outs, uh, you know, with the Ashla and the Bogan, you know, the light and the dark. Uh, obviously, the we saw last year with the Lasats talking about the Ashla, uh, what they call the force. And so this idea that we have a lot of different peoples out there who have connections with the force, but obviously very different than the Jedi. And so I think that's, that's really fascinating to see. And obviously, too, Ashlet and Bogan is something that harkens all the way back to the beginning of Star Wars when George was first writing. And of course, Bendu is the other name for Jedi. Jedi Bendu is what Lucas originally called the Jedi in his first drafts of the script. So all of this stuff, you know, you can really see that Dave is mining his relationship with George and all the conversations that they had about the Force to bring this stuff to light. And I think you're right, Bruce. It makes it very interesting because what the Bendu has to say about, you know, the, he's holding the holocron. And he says, you know, an object cannot be make you good or evil. Temptation of power, forbidden knowledge, even desire to do good can lead somebody down that path. Only you can change yourself, which is, I, I mean, how awesome is that? It's not necessarily about like these manifest destinies that these characters have but it's about the choices that they make you know and what you choose to do with the power you have lets you know whether it's it's good or or evil and i think that's really fascinating because we can see that in different characters throughout star wars and how they've used the force i mean obviously anakin is i think the prime example uh, of the choices that he make and makes and how that leads him to uh, the dark side. So I think that's that's really fascinating stuff. It, to me, this whole conversation with Kanan and the Bendu was also pretty fascinating because it also reminded me of that that uh, the Bible verse about like walk uh, learn to walk by faith and not by sight kind of thing. Uh, you know that we we. Kanan is actually having to learn to do that with the Force because he can't see anymore. And so he's having to walk by faith or by the Force. And I think that makes for a really interesting uh, journey for him to be able to go on because it's something that we've never seen with a Jedi before, having to rely solely on the Force just to be able to to walk around, you know, Uh that's just a, a really fascinating idea. So it makes me wonder just how maybe special Kanan might be in the end because he has a connection with the Force that a lot of Jedi just have never had. Uh, because for him, 
the for he must trust the force to be able to take a step uh, and know that it's going to be an okay step to take. Uh, and how much will that change his perspective because he's seeing through the eyes of the force and really in that way walking by faith and not by sight? That's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's a good point because when people are blind, their other senses are enhanced. So I wonder what senses in Kanan with the Force are going to be enhanced that we may not have seen with other Jedi. So he could come out of this with different powers and different uh, experiences with the Force that are enhanced by his, uh, you know, maybe it's his Jedi sense of of touch or smell or whatever. And I don't mean that literally, but just from a different aspect of seeing the Force when you're blind. If you can't see the Force, then you have to hear it or feel it or in some other ways perceive the Force and, and work with it that way. And I think that's what he even learned, that he had to let go. He was carrying fear in himself, and he wasn't pre- being true to himself. And I think he discovered that new avenue to the Force. Right. I don't know. It's exactly what happened in this episode. He learned not to fear the Krikna, right? Because it's, uh, it's inside him and they're kind of reflecting their, his, his fear. No, I, I liked that too, William, because I thought that that was a really uh, interesting aspect that, you know, uh, a lot of uh, animals in nature can kind of sense the fear of, of what's around them. And the idea that they've been feeding off the fear that Canaan's been feeding them. And, uh, you know, that idea that um, when we're being led by fear, it leads to some really bad things. <laughs> you know, it leads us to make bad decisions. And it I think that anger. Really, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Exactly. It's almost as if somebody said that in Star Wars once. So weird. <laughs> but I think that leads perfectly to Ezra's journey because Ezra, a lot like. Anakin is being led by fear because what does he say to the holocron is I will never let my friends get hurt again and it's interesting to watch the Bendu say you know even a desire to do good can lead some down that path and that's exactly the path that Anakin walked and that's why he turned and I think it it makes for a really fascinating thing that you know, a lot of people didn't like Anakin's fall in in Revenge of the Sith, and they kind of got on it, they thought it was dumb or whatever. But when you think about it from Anakin's perspective, he's doing what he's doing because he thinks that what he's doing is for the good. He's trying to do good with this. And I love that Ezra's falling into that same trap. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we just don't have a lot of hope for Ezra right now. <laughs> He's definitely getting darker and darker. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's he's going about it the wrong way. And the ends do not justify the means. Hopefully he learns that before it's too late. Well, it's that temptation. I mean, he's learning from this holocron, the Sith holocron, that Kanan's not even aware that Ezra has. And so he is learning new skills. And he even says, you know, he's able to do more and save more people. How can this be bad if he's doing good with it? But it's going to lead him down the wrong path, as Kanan told him. And, I, and Ezra doesn't believe that. As you know, you're getting that instant satisfaction. I mean, you're, everybody's always striving to do better. And when you're given a gift to make you do even better at what you're doing, you're going to keep going. And it's going to lead to something bad, but right now it all feels good and it's all working good. And it's a dangerous, slippery slope that he's going down right now. It's almost like uh, Ezra's been listening to little Michael Jackson, Man in the Holocron. You know, take a look at yourself in the Holocron and make that change. Uh, so I, I think <laughs> I think that's really interesting, though, because he is looking into the Holocron. And what he's seeing reflected back is the ability to get what he wants through the power that the holocron's offering him because the holocron asks what do you desire and it sounds like a saz ventress that it holocron. is her voice yeah that's the same actress okay. so i i love that they're using that as um the voice of the holocron because i think her voice is just perfect for that kind of evil but seductive sith sounding voice and when she asks, you know, what is it you desire? And Ezra pours his heart out to this holocron. 
it's almost like he's feeding the power to keep the holocron going to to be able to uh, teach him more and more. And it's this this kind of like almost circle of like destruction that he's finding himself in. And so I I love the path that they're setting Ezra on. What I'm hoping is is that you know we've seen people fall to the dark side and. If Ezra does fall, I would like to see his journey be a, not an exact replica of what we saw with Anakin. I, I don't think they will repeat the same story. I think we'll see something maybe a little bit different. and Or maybe maybe this will be the one where, you know, he starts to re- repeat the mistakes of Anakin. And then, uh, you know, Kanan is able to, to come in or, or someone and, and uh, kind of educate him and then he you know, will avoid that. I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, it may not be the same thing, but I think uh, they might take it close to there and give it a twist. Well, I, I mean, I'm definitely okay with that. Uh, I, I have no issues, you know, with uh, Ezra turning out to be, you know, some kind of Sith or something like that, or just turning out to go down the dark path and, and not make it, uh, because I think that would be an, an interesting story to tell. Obviously, it's one that could have happened with Ahsoka and didn't, and it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, we're talking about Ezra and Kanan, and one of the things they were talking about is that this season is really starting that trend toward why Tarkin can say their fire has gone out of the galaxy. You're all that's left of that old religion, and... You know, uh, even in this episode, Tarkin says, well, Vader's taken care of their Jedi leadership because they've taken care of Ahsoka. Uh, they don't even consider Kanan and Ezra to be really a threat, which I thought was was really fascinating. So all of that together, you know, for Kanan and Ezra, I think it's going to be a really uh, just a fascinating season to see where they, you know, start now, but where they're going to end up. I, I, I'm just really... I, I want to be able to binge this season right now. Well, you have to wait week after week after week. <laughs> That's the problem. I like watching. I like binge watching. Sometimes I wish I could wait till the end of the season and then just start watching them all at once. But every season of Rebels, I do watch it week to week. And then when the season ends, I, I binge watch them all over again. And it's to me, it's a much better experience. Not that it's a bad experience of week to week, but to see the connections of the stories just one after the other, you really start to see it all come together. Right, and that's why I think Star Wars is Star Wars is really a, um, a it, it's a it's a story meant for film, and it we, it works very well on television. But I think we see why you know the the, the two episode premieres are always better. Uh, I think personally because you get more of that story, or you go to a screening and you see three cut together in a, a theater like environment. That's always the best experience for for the show, and I think that's because you know. That's Star Wars format, right? It, it's a film. But they can, you can still have fantastic television shows, and Rebels pulls it off every week. Well, then in Ezra, also, uh, he's been promoted to a lieutenant commander. So is he getting promoted too soon? Are we seeing that same kind of parallel like Anakin? Like, is it is all happening too quick? Is it is 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 it going to start going to his head? He kind of had like a Kirk from the Kelvin timeline thing happen where he got promoted and then he got demoted in the same episode, basically. <laughs> like he he got the power and then he got it revoked at the end. Uh, so it, it felt very similar. But I also think that what was nice about the episode is that when that happens to him, he doesn't throw like a hissy fit. You know, he's disappointed but I think he clearly understands why that responsibility is being taken away from him for a while. And then, you know, you had the the nice scene with him and Kanan at the end where they're talking and, and he's thanking him for coming back. And Kanan's like, I always will. And I think that was a really nice um, moment for those two to kind of be able to shake hands and make up, basically, uh, and, and be able to come back together more as master and apprentice, hopefully. Uh, so I would hope that it's a, it's a good way to turn that around and be able to look forward to the season and, and really make it interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, 
I was a little worried about that too, Bruce. Uh, really? You're going to make this kid the lieutenant commander? What is Sabine now? Like, is she still a private or something? Like, why is she and taking Seth, orders Seth's from Kanan? He's like, what, what, my little brother's getting promos and I'm not? What the heck? Yeah, it's uh, seriously. Why is she taking orders from Ezra? Yeah. Then again, he did get, you know, demoted again. So it's a kind of a wash at the end of it. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. And also a Jedi, yeah. which, you know, those, those guys uh, pull rank all the time. It would be great if Sabine gets promoted in the next episode. And she goes, ha, there you go, Ezra. You know who also got demoted, though? Commander oh. Brom Titus. Yes. Titus has is, is not had a good life. No, he keeps getting demoted. He reminds me, have you guys watched uh, the Freemaker Adventures at all? Yes, a little bit. Okay, he reminds me of the, I'm going to blank on their names, but the two Imperial officers just keep getting demoted in every single episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah that's that's titus that was really yeah no that's funny and i i like that they had the continuity there you know of getting to see a an officer that we've seen before and somebody that the rebels have had an impact on their lives and and why these different imperial officers throughout the ranks who would really hate these rebellion people uh because you know if they are the ones who have had the wool pulled over their eyes by the rebellion and then get demoted on some sort of terrible trash planet or whatnot, you could just imagine the hatred they must have for these guys. So interesting, uh, before we leave Ezra, I, I, a couple of quick things. I noticed that his blaster looks like Han's. Yes, he has a DL-44. Yeah, so maybe uh, Ezra actually has Han's blaster. Who knows? Uh, just random. And uh, I also liked that he kind of mimicked a little bit of Luke uh, in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, I trust my friends. They'll be okay. Yes, that was a awesome. That's a good line right there. And then uh, the save, of course, of Ezra is very episode five, you know, of Luke. So I thought that was interesting as well. Well, one of my favorite things was when Ezra's on the, I don't know, whatever that thing was that had the... Uh, the uh, Y wings on then <laughs> when it was crashing down, he's, he's mm-hmm. going down with it and Kanan comes in the ship to save him. And Ezra's like, Kanan, I can't reach you. It's too far. And Kanan says, I've got you let go. And I thought there was a lot of symbolism in that scene because that's exactly what Ezra has been doing. He's, Ezra in this episode has not been able to reach Kanan because Kanan has distanced himself, but he's come back and he won't let go. So I really like that ending. Well, on top of that, think about this, and this is something that struck me my, my second time through watching it, is that Kanan does a lot of what Luke and Han do that we see in Episode 7. Things go bad, and they retreat from their friends yeah. and from the responsibilities. And I think this is so interesting that men in Star Wars stop being men for some reason. When things go badly, they retreat, and they let go of their responsibilities. And, you know, that, that's also human nature uh, for men to have that issue that when things don't go our way, we feel embarrassed. We feel like we should have been able to do it and we should have been able to do more. And a lot of our responses is that. So I just think it's very interesting that Kanan is having the same response that Luke and Han do. But I like that in this episode... Kanan gets back on the horse, right. you know, like he, he gets back up and he, you know, the Bendu helps him again. It's not just that he's learning to walk by the force, but he's also learning to get back to being a responsible adult and that you can't just sit on the sidelines and pout. Right. Like Obi-Wan did. I'll take care of the baby. Oh, no, wait here. You people watch him. I'm going to go pout over here. <laughs> Oh, he did not. <laughs> oh, you stop. That is, that's, that's not true whatsoever. That's Obi-Wan, what I think now that you, you've changed my mind to think that's what happened. That, that Obi-Wan went to pout? Yeah, because all men uh, pout in Star Wars at some point. That's not true. Oh, that's <laughs> not what happened. And you know it. You're just trying to rile me up. But we have better things to talk about because this is not an episode about Obi-Wan Kenobi, even though every episode should be about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Thrawn, what did you guys think about the introduction? Thrawn was perfect. Right? He 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 was he was the Thrawn we've been waiting for. He's the he's the probably the most classic expanded universe character, the biggest one you could have. And they did such a great job with him. Uh, you know, Lars Mikkelsen voiced him, 
and uh, he, he like it, it's very smooth, very alien, very calculating. We didn't see a lot of him in this episode. Um, he uh, his introduction wasn't as big of a of a moment in the episode itself. Uh, it was a little more subtle, um, but uh, you could tell all the officers there really respect Gron. Yeah, when we saw this at Celebration, of course, we just got the big news, and there was all this big to do about Thrawn coming back and and Timothy Zahn comes up on the video screen and talks about it. we see all this behind the scenes stuff how how Zahn was brought into Lucasfilm and you know all this pump up and, and excitement about Thrawn and then when they showed the episode there was very little of him so it it felt a bit disappointing to me I, I I wanted more Thrawn because we just had all this build up but now watching it a couple months later I enjoyed that he was kind of brought in in a subtle way that we might see more of him later but what i loved about it as i'm watching i'm like okay he's mr know-it-all he always figures out what's really going on and that's exactly what he did he comes in there and he puts everybody in their place by saying this is what the rebels are going to do they're doing this and they're doing that and this connects to this and this connects to that and that's how it all works and he was right and that's thrawn for you thrawn is a mr know-it-all and he gets it right I think I think you guys are exactly right. I actually really enjoy the fact that Thrawn isn't front and center in this episode because Thrawn is not really front and center kind of guy. He's the guy that's kind of in the background that is pulling all the strings, and, and that's what I really love. Like, the fact that he comes in and Tarkin kind of shows him respect, you know, oh, that's Admiral when you know Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. Tarkin it's when you know. Respect, like really, and it's great. It's it's absolutely fantastic, and I think it really, really works for the episode. And I think you guys are right. The voice talent behind him, Lars Mikkelsen, is is just phenomenal because he's slow and calculating in the way that he speaks, and that's who Thrawn is as well. And I think it's just a, a wonderful performance that it really does make me excited to see what's what's going to happen next. On top of that, Governor Price for, looks just like Spalco from Indy 4. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, if she only had Kate Blanchett's voice as a Russian, now that would be perfect. Do you think that design was on purpose to portray that? Because it looks identical to her. I really expected Indiana Jones to come in. Well, uh, Adam Bray tweeted that the other day, uh, and I tweeted him back about it because I'm a huge Indiana Jones 4 fan, and he also agrees that he thinks it's on purpose. So, And it just seems like something that Dave would do with the character design, mm -hmm. that we'd be like, you know, uh, why don't we make him uh, look like uh, Spalco? That would be awesome. Yeah, they so. should have had Indiana Jones come into the scene and be like, you know, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and did you notice, too, that behind Tarkin, when we're first introduced to him, when Price comes into the room, there's a venerator model behind him from the Clone Wars, one of the old Jedi cruisers. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Which I was like, oh, that's so awesome that behind him, he has one of those venerator models, because apparently Tarkin is also a huge fan of the venerator Star Destroyer, as I am. So it's very awesome. And a um, Clone Wars fan. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he of course he's a huge Clone Wars fan. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he just liked that they won. So, uh, a couple of other things that I noticed about the episode, just kind of uh, some final thoughts that were coming to me. One is the decommissioning droids. I really felt like those were like the children, basically, of Buzz droids. They were just like massive Buzz droids. Yes. They also looked like miniature Senate buildings. Yes. Yes, you're right. That's very funny. Oh, I love that. But yeah, they're they're giant or giant buzz droids or miniature Senate buildings. Pretty terrifying too. All I, I had to I almost felt bad for that one that Rex took out uh, on the. <laughs> yeah. You like you know shove that thing in a corner, set it on fire, and then kick it off the side of the platform. Poor uh, poor guy. Yeah, I did think Senate. He was trying too. to kill Chopper and the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what. What do you get when a buzz droid mates with a Senate building? Well, now we know. This is their children. I never thought that I would know what that was, but uh, that's fantastic. One of my final things about the, the episode was this, is that, and it, it stems off an interview that, that Dave did. I think it was with um, 
Uh, I can't even remember. Davis had so many interviews recently uh, with people, and it, it could have been io9, but I could also be completely wrong. Uh, it, it's it's one of those. Anyway, regardless, uh, this idea that, you know, in season three, um, you know, we're really starting to move into the rebellion against the Empire storyline. It's not just about this small sect anymore of the rebellion. It's about more of the rebellion at large. And I felt like this season is starting off with a grand sense of purpose. Rebels, if, if there was any criticism that I have of it, is that sometimes it felt a little bit meandering in some of the episodes for some of the seasons, especially one, especially one not as much in two. But this one does seem to be really starting off with a, a supreme sense of, of purpose of setting all these pieces on the board as we move closer and closer to, you know, I mean, we're getting closer to row one. We're getting closer to episode uh, four. So we really have to start paying attention to what we're doing. And, and I got that feeling, especially even just looking at the preview for next week, where we're digging again back into the force lore with uh, Darth Maul going to be back, the Bendu will be back, the, the Sith holocron and all of that. Um, I, I just... To me, I'm really excited because I think I think Star Wars Rebels works best when it's about the mythology of Star Wars. And so I feel like this season has started off in a really great foot uh, is in taking that step more into that kind of storytelling. The focus is supposed to be on the Rebels, and I don't think as much on the Jedi and the Force, but it's certainly a very popular component of Star Wars that it, it's... It needs to be in there, and they and they have worked it in well. And of course, you know, Canon and Ezra are Jedi or Jedi in training. Um, and I I do like it getting deeper into the Force. Now, don't get too excited because I'm sure maybe on the next episode or the one after that, it's not going to have any of that. It's gonna you know each each episode is going to be its own storyline and, and take a different aspect. I'm sure they're going to center on different characters, and there's going to be less of the Force. But every once in a while, we're going to be sprinkled with episodes like this and just add more and more to the mythology of the Force, which I'm really excited about. But I do want to see other components of the Empire. I'd like to dig deep into the Empire in this season. I really hope we see a lot more about the growth of the Empire. Well, see, and that's I'm right there with you, Bruce, because it's not just the mythology of the Force that I think is really fascinating, but it's the mythology of the Rebellion, of, like you said, the Empire in this time period. To me, some of the things that have worked best in the new canon uh, are the things that have delved into what the Empire was like at the this kind of beginning time. Like, I love Lords of the Sith because of that, you know, dealing with those issues. Um, the, the small interplay that we get in Tarkin, I don't love that novel, but the interplay we get between Tarkin and Vader in trying to vie for favor with the Emperor is fascinating, that kind of stuff. So getting to see how all that works, especially now that you've thrown Thrawn into the mix along with Tarkin, to me is fascinating. Uh, and so, yes, I totally want to see more of that. But I, I think the mention of Dodonna, you throw out that name, that's the guy who throws you know, uh, uh, the, the plans up on the board and tells all the guys how to destroy this, this, the Death Star. You know, So whether we get to see him or not, or at least just see the growth of the wider rebellion is the thing that I think I'm really interested in seeing. I mean, the show is called Rebels. Yeah, it's not called Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dodonna, that was great to hear uh, mention. And if, if we see him or not, I mean, it'd be great to see him, but he's definitely part of this show now because he's been mentioned. Uh, we're just, you know, again, little bits and pieces here and there. And that's what, what that's what I like about it. And I can't wait to see what we see in Rogue One. Is there going to be any any sprinkle of something from Star Wars Rebels into Rogue One and vice versa? It's going to be really fun this season to compare that film uh, to this series. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think, um, you know, what's exciting to me is that, you know, it, Rebels is building to a time period that we're going to get to in Rogue One. And I think it's really special to have those two running right now, you know, uh, Rebels and then hopping into Rogue One uh, this December. Uh, 
it really makes me excited. And so um, I don't know, I, I guess you guys, if, if we had to kind of give any kind of rating uh, to this episode, uh, I don't know, William, what do you think? Uh, you know, I think, I think uh, it, it can't live up to the season two finale, as, as we've said, but it was still ex- very, very enjoyable. I love the introduction of Theron. I liked seeing Ezra go dark. Uh, Kanan kind of dealing with his issues, and we know that the rest of season three will also deal with uh, the fallout of what happened to Kanan. So uh, I think uh, I think I give this eight and a half out of ten. I don't know what your rating scale typically uh, typically is. No, I like it on uh, on Ion Cannon. I, I gave it eight and a half out of ten, and uh, you know I, it's very very good. Um, I, I think I was less interested in the whole uh, theft of the Y wings and uh, etc. It was interesting, but again, it wasn't on the same scale of the end of last season but that's not something we can really have in every episode and for a a season premiere they really are are setting things kind of laying the groundwork for the whole season it wasn't as epic as the season finale of season two but i i like the character development of this episode and as i mentioned earlier the progress the progression of the characters and the feel of the show and i also love hondo one of the first lines he says is is that ezra because Ezra has grown and he's changed and it was like the right line to start the season because it's just indicating that there's something new and different going on and one of my favorite scenes is early on when uh, Ezra turns the ATDP up on against the stormtroopers and starts having it fire at them and you can just sense in the music and the feel that he's working with something beyond what he's been taught something from the dark side and from that moment on i was hooked so that was my favorite scene and and, and for everything else that we've talked about uh about kanan and the bendu and so on and so forth i really enjoy this episode so um out of five ugnots i give it four screaming ones <laughs> oh i love that um i'm i'm right there with you guys um i i actually really like this episode uh, i think it's very strong and bruce i think you called it out that it's the character development that we're getting with some major characters like ezra and kanan uh introducing some really interesting elements into the story force wise and just the rebellion at large i mean the fact that they're stealing y wings from the Empire, wings that apparently are as old as the Clone Wars, and that's where Y-Wings come from in the Rebellion, is fantastic. Uh, you know, the, this really is a, a desperate group. And, um, you know, Price even says something to that effect. He, oh, what they'll do for such meager returns. You know, they have nothing they're having to scrounge for everything and i think it's just fascinating and you know uh, thrawn was perfect he is working them into a false sense of security if you ask me and he is going to shut that door and it is going to slam hard on them and so this season just looks to be phenomenal if you ask me and if you know if we've got maybe five or six seasons of rebels in the camp you know like that's how far they decide to take the series uh with dave filoni now moving up to executive producer so he can work on other projects let's hope we get some uh great you know animation maybe i don't know maybe a luke series uh between episode six and seven which would be fantastic i mean mark hamill likes to do voice acting so uh be perfect uh that's all i'm saying you can bring ahsoka back then they could you know go on a force journey together who knows? Uh, let's do that. Anyway, uh, this episode alone, though, um, I I have to say is 8.75 out of 10 for me. It is uh, phenomenal. Uh, 8.75 Bendus out of 10 Bendus. So, uh, no, I just, I love it. And uh, I'm so excited that you guys were here to, to talk about it with me. It's, it's a blast to be able to do this. Uh, I really appreciate it. All the support we get from the listeners through Patreon, and we have our associate producers here on the show uh, of Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, and Norman Lau. Appreciate those guys for supporting us in that way. Now, if you love the content that we put out on Trek FM, there's just no way we can do it without the support of listeners just like you. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm, and you can see how you can be part of the team and help make sure everything that we do keeps coming to each and every week. Uh, and, of course, uh, we've got some 
great perks that come for you, those who support us. So go uh, over to patreon.com slash trackfm and see how you can be part of our team. And of course, just want to remind you, uh, you can find all of uh, the 602 Club Star Wars episodes in the special Star Wars feed. It has its own podcast feed in iTunes. So go over there, check it out if you want to listen to all the back episodes we've got there. And of course, uh, star ratings and reviews really help out there as well. Now, William, it was exciting to meet you at DragonCon this year, but it was even more exciting to have you into my humble 602 club to be able to talk Star Wars. It, it felt just like a continuation of DragonCon, but I know you, you are all over the place online and you do your own podcast, so make sure that you let everybody know about that so they can start listening to the Ion Canon. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, uh, it, it was an absolute pleasure spending DragonCon with you as well, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been it's been a blast. You can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm uh, Master Devwi. That's D E V W I, Master Devwi. And then, uh, uh, of course, I, I host the uh, the Ion Cannon podcast every week with my good friends Tom and Steven. Um, and that's over on the Star Wars Report uh, or IonCannonCast.com. So, yeah, definitely appreciate it if you uh, check it out. We review episodes of Rebels and we review the new Ahsoka book next uh, that's coming out in a few weeks and we should have a review up about a week or so so definitely stay tuned awesome man that's great now bruce uh i know you're all over the place and in fact i think you do something with that star wars report thingy uh so tell everybody where they can find you there is something i do with that star wars star wars report thingy thing um so i am a producer i am the producer not a producer i am the producer of the Star Wars Report podcast. So I tell Riley Blanton and Mark Herleman what to do all the time, and they don't listen. So it's great. So listen to the show, and I'm on there fairly often. And uh, also, I'm with you, Matt, on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther also. And we talk about Star Trek books and comics here on Trek FM. And you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And of course... I like to hang out in the Babel Conference on Facebook. Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. I am here on the network uh, doing the orb with Chris Jones. We're talking about Deep Space Nine exclusively and literary treks with Bruce. Uh, and, of course, the 602 Club here. And uh, I do another Star Wars podcast with my good friend John Mills, who you can also find on a bunch of the 602 Club Star Wars episodes. We talk about Star Wars on Aggressive Negotiations. It's a fantastic place to be. You're going to want to check out Aggressive Negotiations. You can find that on thenerdparty.com. And, of course, you can also find that on iTunes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And may the Force be with you.